With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. While your KSU gurus are doing game previews, you boneheads sit, bruise, and ride on your ski-doos, those Boscos work hard for the team they adore. While they interview cats about their buzzer beaters, y'all fend off mosquitoes and sip lima readers. Those Boscos want to give the fans a little more. Sometimes we just want to riff and give our fans a little gift and not have to worry about what we're going to say. Bonehead Mama and Bonehead Paul, we got love for all of y'all. So come on down, it's Free Play Friday. Ooh, Bosco's Boys. Well, come on, boys. Back for another Spotify Green Room live show. You can be cool like us and join Spotify Greenroom. It is now in the Apple and Android show. It's the only all-free sports talk and more platform for you. We are going live every week. This week, we are going live on Wednesday. We're going live next Wednesday as well. Typically, we will be on Thursdays. Wednesday will be our fallback for when that can't happen. But it's going to be a fun show. Uh... Today, uh, Wednesday the 14th, uh, K-State was at Big 12 Media Day, so we'll talk about K-State Big 12 Media Days. Uh, sadly, we have a basketball transferring out. Monty Murphy, Montavious Murphy, my favorite guy from that recruiting class uh, that featured him, Dejuan Gordon, Antonio Gordon, and David Sloan. The last remaining guy is gone. I didn't like seeing that. Um, not happy about it, but we'll talk about that. But we'll also have fun uh, doing some other stuff as well. We'll we'll talk some silly stuff. We're going to talk Big 12 Media Days. It's going to be great. As always, remember, we're sponsored by Spotify Green Room. Going to get the links tweeted out. We're going to have fun. Then we're going to start bringing folks up on the stage, and we're gonna we're gonna yeah, kick we're, it off. Things are going to be fun. We got Nick in the house. We got Jimmy in the house. We got Hayes in the house. This is going to be a great show today. All right, we're going to do some just off-topic silly stuff before we get into the meat of it. Let some folks show up. The intro questions today are: uh, we we found out today Chris Kleiman's go-to caffeinated beverage is Diet Coke. Everyone knows that. Bill Snyder's was black coffee out of a styrofoam cup. So I'm going to ask you, what's your go-to caffeinated beverage? The next question I'm going to ask is, what would you wear to Big 12 Media Days if you were a player? J-Mac got a lot of good love for his outfit. And then the last question is, do you pledge allegiance to Bosco the Dog when I do a full-out campaign and war against the athletic department until they bring it back? We're going to start with my guy, Jimmy. Jimmy, caffeinated beverage, what would your fit be if you were an athlete going to Big 12 Media Day? And do you pledge your allegiance to Bosco the dog? First, first, uh, the, the drink would be coffee for sure. I like uh, 
coffee with heavy whip, whipping cream and some honey is my ooh, that's good. And then um, I I hate dressing up. I'm not gonna lie, but I could do. So you'd be a polo do, with slacks. I'd probably do polo slacks and some sort of Air Force Ones that look cool would be what I'd prefer to wear. But I hate dressing up. And then lastly, I'm all about Bosco the dog, and he should definitely be a real mascot on the sideline starting next year. All right, I love it. And this is a big group. It, it, I might need to go to Wednesdays full-time because it's been a while since we've had a room this full this quick, so we're going to have to do these intro questions quick. We'll go to Nick. Nick, what's your go-to caffeinated beverage? What would you wear if you are an athlete at Media Days? And do you pledge allegiance to Bosco the dog? So the uh, beverage I would choose would be just straight black coffee, nothing else. Um, what I'd wear to Big 12 Media Days, um, I think Skyler's outfit was spot on. It looks professional, so I go with a suit, suit and tie. And then uh, uh, where do I sign up? I need to fill these papers out because I'm, I'm signing that. Love it, love it. We're gonna start a we're gonna start a write a letter writing campaign to a friend of the show, Gene Taylor, very soon. We'll go to Connor. Connor, what's your caffeinated beverage of choice? What would your media day fit be? And do you pledge allegiance to Bosco the dog? Uh, my caffeinated beverage of choice is Dr Pepper. I'm not a big coffee guy. Uh, my media day outfit, I'd roll with a lavender suit and some Kobe purple Stardust shoes. I just go all purple, head to toe, and I definitely pledge allegiance to Bosco. I love it. I love it. We'll go to your co-host, Ace. Connor and Ace are the co-hosts of Aggieville Alley Cats, my favorite K-State podcast. Ace, what is your go-to caffeinated beverage? What would your media day fit be, and do you pledge allegiance to Bosco the dog? Yeah, and just like on our show, Connor comes in and steals my take. It's Dr. Pepper, exactly what he said. And, yeah, of course. Perfect. All right, now we're going to Cole. Cole, caffeinated beverage, media day fit, and you pledge allegiance to Bosco the dog. Hey, uh, I've been drinking a lot of the body armors with caffeine in them lately, so especially when it's hot out, don't really want a hot coffee. Uh, My media day's outfit, I'm going to rock some purple overalls with no shirt underneath free the nipple, and then I will be pledging my allegiance to Bosco the dog. I love it. I love it. Cole, this is why you're a fashion icon. Hayes, what do you got for us? Caffeinated beverage, media day fit, and are you pledging allegiance to Bosco the dog? I am a big Coca-Cola fan. Um, I'm definitely rocking a lavender suit, and of course I pledge allegiance to Bosco. Sounds like Bork Brothers out in uh, Manhattan need to get some lavender material in for some custom suits. We're going to go to one of my favorite humans in the world, Steve. Steve, what's your go-to caffeinated beverage? What would your media day fit be? And I know you're, you're pledging allegiance to Bosco. Uh, vodka soda water. Does that count as a caffeinated beverage? Is there caffeine in vodka? I thought you said carbonated. I'm sorry. I might caffeinated. have, but I meant caffeinated. Sorry. Oh, that's great. Oh, just coffee with a shot of espresso. Um, I do... Purple and white pinstripe suit, and then, yes, uh, Bosco and any dog, really, for sure. All right, perfect. Then we're going to go Andre, then Bennett, then we're getting into the meat of it. Great, great showing tonight. Chef, caffeinated beverage, media day fit, and do you pledge allegiance to Bosco and the dog? Uh, I'm a 
I'm a bang keto coffee kind of guy, so I'll drink those in the morning. Uh, I'm going to rock a purple tuxedo t-shirt with four-inch inseam shorts <laughs> and probably flip-flops because I, I, I don't know. And then, of course, of course, Bosco's my guy. He's my guy. Per- perfect. I love it. Bennett, you're the last one. Then we're getting into the meat of things. Um, I'm going to have to go with anything coffee. Um, I'm pulling up to Arlington and a purple jacket and uh, gray pants. And, of course, I'll pledge allegiance to Bob. I love it. I love the army we are building. We're going to make it happen. Even if it's not Gene Taylor, there will be another AD after him. We're going to make it happen at some point, folks. All right, so the first thing we're going to get into, uh, this is just going to be a quick thumbs up, thumbs down. Because this was the only real big news, not, uh, or, you know, at the conference level. So Bob Bowlesby came out and said that if there's any team that is unable to play a game due to COVID, they're going to straight up forfeit the game. They are not rescheduling the game. It's not going to be a no contest. It's going to go down as a forfeiture. So just give me thumbs up, thumbs down on that. We're going to start with Connor. Thumbs up, thumbs down on COVID forfeitures. Um, I'm kind of indifferent on it, honestly. I know it's kind of a cop-out answer, but I, I get reasonings for both sides. Like, like I totally get uh, wanting to forfeit a game. You just don't have the bodies. But at the same time, I, I get that they're like just trying to push the conference forward and just get games played at this point. So that's, uh, that totally makes sense. All right, Bennett, what do you think? Should, should it be a pure forfeit? Should they be trying to reschedule? What's your take? Hopefully it doesn't have to come up, but this was the only real big news at the conference level. I think I'm for uh, forfeiting. All right, here, here's my question. And actually, Will, I missed you. You're pledging allegiance to Boston the Dog. I know that. I want to know your fit, but what's your take on it? Is, should the conference be forcing forfeitures, or should they be trying to reschedule games if this happens? Um, I think at this point, if you're playing games today, I'm fine with the forfeit with where we are with vaccines and everything. It's hard to project something in December with, you know, variants and everything. So I think moving forward, what they're saying right now makes sense, but they need to have some flexibility for that to change based on the circumstances. That's my two cents. Um, caffeinated beverage. I'm probably going to go coffee in my fit. I think I'm going to go all white blazer slacks and then a lavender undershirt and lapel pen. Ooh, I love it. Lots of lavender love in this crew. This is why I love these live shows. Chef, uh, a team has to, uh, you know, can't play a game next fall because of COVID. Do you want that rescheduled or do you want them to forfeit and have shame? I prefer that they reschedule because I like to see, like, matchups. I mean, what would what would the Big 12 do if OU Texas got canceled? Are they seriously not going to reschedule that? That sounds blasphemous almost i mean those are marquee games that are huge for the conference and if you don't have them i think it's kind of great what happens if two teams at the exact same time it does the forfeit count as a dub for the other team is that what they're saying yep so if, if iowa state so if, gets a bunch of covid we're getting the win and i'm going right to but what if, what if we both have covid things or is it first to first to admit that they have covid or what what's going on then, then I'm hoping we don't admit to it. I don't know what the <laughs> solution would be. 
We'll, we'll, get, we'll get up to Ace. Ace, what would you do? What would your reaction be if K-State Iowa State got canceled due to COVID? There was no makeup this year. Well, I'd be, I'd be, I'd honestly just be pissed. And I feel like that's the number one thing that everyone will do is someone will get, or a big school will end up having COVID issues. And then suddenly the rules will change. Because if Oklahoma has COVID issues, the Big 12 is going to bend over backwards to make sure that the game gets rescheduled. Yeah, I'll, I'll be interested. Hope, Like I said, hopefully we don't have to see it. Nick, K-State, uh, Chris Kleiman said we're up around 80% COVID vaccine, or vaccine. He says that it is not going to be mandated, but he's having uh, you know, the medical folks talk to him. Gene Taylor says he hopes to get 95% of all athletes vaccinated. Do you think they should be mandating it, or do you think education and going about this is the right way for K-State? Uh, I think the education is going about, about it the right way. I just think that, you know, it's their body, their choice, obviously. Um, it's not mandated, obviously, like in the Army, like I, right now, so I have a choice of whether or not to get it. Um, so it, it's honestly good that they're providing education about it and making it up to the players whether or not they want to get it. Now – on the other side of things, there is complications and consequences of if you do not get the vaccine and, you know, bodies are going to be depleted and we're going to run into what happened last year. So um, the, the education part, I think, is vital to letting these players know, hey, the risk and, you know, the other side of things. Of it is- Definitely. We'll get up to Steve. Steve, um, you know, hopefully this is the only time, the last media day we have to talk about COVID-19. But when you hear the commissioner saying, hey, we're still coming up with protocols and testing still going to happen, um, where's your head at? Are you, do you think the Big 12 will, uh, you know, run into any of these issues? Or do you think by the time September rolls around, uh, you know, it'll just be something that you occasionally hear about a test one way or another and no games are affected? So my question would be, are for like Big 12 champion uh, game – Opponents, are they going by total wins or percentage? Because then why wouldn't, like, a team just say they had COVID when they're playing OU, and that way they could have an easier route to make the Big 12 championship? Because that will count as a loss. Instead okay, of so them. it's not a percentage. Yeah. Yep, yep. Well, then I think it's that. I don't know a better way to do it. Like, we won't have as many um, weeks for you know, uh, bye weeks like we did last year with canceling some games and stuff. So I think that'd be the easiest, cleanest way to do it. Okay, Hayes. Uh, Again, hopefully we're not going to have to deal with this. Do you think that there should be something similar to Major League Baseball where if 80% of the team is vaccinated, all COVID protocols are out the window? Or do you like that they're going to continue testing, even though that might mean, you know, some positive tests and some dudes missing games despite the high vaccine rate already? Um, Honestly, I wish – at the current state that we are, that um, the protocols would be a little bit lessened. But I wish they sort of followed the NFL model of if you're vaccinated, you don't have to follow it. And if you are not, then you do have to follow it. Um, and on that, I I mean, as a person, like just a individual person, I sort of understand not wanting it. But I wouldn't understand it as a football player because then you know that you have to endure all these daily tests and everything. So I sort of feel like if you have to forfeit a game, it's kind of on you. No, I think that's a good take. We'll get Cole and then Jimmy, and then we're going to touch on uh, Monte Murphy. Cole, 
if K-State were to, let, let's just say Iowa State does have to forfeit a game, are you going to celebrate that like the win it will show in the record books? Or do you think it's almost like, a, wow, you know, not getting that game rescheduled takes away our shot to beat them by 90? I don't know if I would celebrate it. Um, I'd be happy just to get the W, you know, put a, put a notch in the W column. But I would probably – it would be great ammo for trolling Iowa State fans on Twitter because they were too scared to play us. They had to pretend to get COVID and forfeit. I love it. All right, Jimmy, any any takes on this? And uh, and then we'll just kind of parlay into the Monte Murphy story. He's the last member of that heralded recruiting class to leave. Uh, and, you know, just your takes on it because I think you're even keel on any everything. So give me – any COVID stuff from Big 12 and then jump, jump off the Monte Murphy discussion? The COVID stuff, I think, as long as the league is clear and consistent with what they say, I'm, I'm down with whatever they decide to do. And I think, you know, as, as people have said, as long as there's not some major variant that comes along that is, is not handled by vaccines, then if, you, if you, you don't have to get the vaccine, I'm all for letting people choose what they want to do. But there are still consequences for those kinds of things, and one of those could be missing a football game or possibly costing your team a game if you if you have enough people in a position group that aren't willing to do it. So, I mean, life's about consequences, so so do what you got to do in that situation. Um, as far as Monte Murphy, um, it's it's not a big deal to me just because I didn't – I wasn't quite seeing where he was going to fit next year anyway. Um, he, he only played 50 minutes last year, and I don't think he looked very good doing it. I liked what I saw early in his freshman year before he got started to get injured, and maybe he'll come back healthy, but here's the deal. They've been practicing eight hours a week as a team with coaches for almost five weeks now, um, for over five weeks now. So I think the writing was on the wall probably, at this point, if he had left in before practice started, then maybe my position would be different. But the fact that he's leaving after practice has been going on for five weeks, and he's been going against Mossad and and guys like that in practice. I think it probably became pretty clear where he was at on the totem pole, and it made it an easy decision for him, and probably made it an easy decision for the K State coaches to say, um, "We'll help you find somewhere too." So that's my take on. All right, uh, we'll get Evan in here. Evan, uh, and, and I wouldn't know this if it wasn't for Jimmy's great graphs, but, you know, we now have three full recruiting classes where the only guy who goes the distance is Mike McGurl. Uh, is it, like, as much of a issue on the court as is a, as a perception for Bruce losing all these guys? Or do you think ultimately, hey, it doesn't affect your views on anything with the, with the basketball program if Murphy decided to leave? Um, at this point with Murphy leaving, it doesn't really affect me. Um, but yeah, definitely as a perception thing, only having one guy from the last three, four classes, maybe, um, actually being a contributor of sorts is, uh, pretty concerning. All right. We're going to go to Steve, uh, who is the author or the subject that I should say of one of the most infamous photographs in K-State basketball history. Uh, Steve, you see another transfer leaving. 
is it just kind of like that, hey, he wasn't going to contribute anyways, it's a, a big nothing burger? Or do you think that, hey, this is another straw on Bruce's back? Uh, nothing burger for this season, but uh, what the hell? Like, I don't understand how n- nobody wants to stay and work for the staff or stay at the school or, you know, however it's going to be perceived is that they don't want to stay at the school, um, which I don't really care for that at all. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's another brick on the fucking back of Bruce Weber. Ooh, a brick, not a straw. All right. We'll go down to Bennett. Bennett, do you think this ultimately comes down to a – talent evaluation, uh, you know, knack or knock against Bruce Weber uh, with some of these transfers, or do you think it is a, hey, talent retention knock? I think it's a knock on his talent. I think the injury is really um, almost like Dean Wade did him, if that's a term we want to use. <laughs> um, and, I, I mean, we're that's how college basketball and college uh, sports is right now, the transfer portal. Um but it is a shame that Bruce hasn't been able to handle the transfer portal very well with the amount of players that have left. Yep. All right. So, Cole, do you think this is a story where it is, you know, injuries did him in? Or do you think on your take on Monty Murphy, do you think this is a guy who was never destined to be a three, four year contributor? I think when he came in, he definitely had the potential to be a contributor at this level. Um, I think he kind of just didn't develop to that full potential, and I think um, the injuries definitely had an impact on that. So I think that's, in my perspective, that's probably what it came down to is just where his ceiling was and how that changed over his time uh, at K. All right, Chef, are you upset at this at all, even if he wasn't going to contribute? Bruce, a lot of times, has lamented the fact that he doesn't always have a full complement of bodies even for practice. Do you think ultimately, even if they knew uh, he wasn't going to play, they should have done a better job at trying to keep him around? Because at the end of the day, uh, anyone can chime in and tell me if I'm wrong. I think the time limit is about to pass for a no penalty transfer so it sounds like he's gonna have to sit out this year regardless yeah I mean it hurts to not have the bodies and he can't fall back on saying that he doesn't have the bodies in practice but Monty was a was a guy that we all had high hopes for but I mean the injury bug got him and ultimately you can't have guys just lingering around the program for free that aren't going to contribute. If you if you can get him out of there, open up a scholarship, now we can – I know we're all going to bash on his talent evaluation and all that stuff, but he's brought in a, a great class the year before this one, and if he can evaluate talent like he did with Pack and Selton and all that and Bradford, and he has an open spot now, I mean, that just opens the door for more talent to come in. So – um, I mean, you don't want to keep Monty around, even though he this was going to be his last year, I think. And if if we got rid of him now, cut the bandaid, uh, pull the bandaid off quick, we could we could get into the future classes and move on from Monty, especially if he wasn't going to contribute. Hayes, you've been on the show quite a bit. Uh, we've done grades of how the off season's gone, transfers in, transfers out. Monte leaving does that change your opinion on how? Uh, you know, the roster, you know, handled the transfer portal this offseason? As far as for this season, 
I don't think it impacts much, if anything. Um, but just looking at it big picture-wise, picture, picture wise, take myself to two years ago, I was pretty excited about this recruiting class coming in. And I thought they could do big things. So it, it kind of hurts seeing that every single person is gone. But as far as Monte's talent, it looked like he had a lot of it, and I was really excited for him. Um, and then obviously the injury bug. But I think this sort of speaks to a change in philosophy of Bruce Weber, possibly. If you look at the guys that he got in the transfer market this year, um, I think he's trying to sort of shift the play style. And he realizes that having all these athletic fours that can't shoot a ball doesn't really help him out too much. Um, and I think that maybe um, his the fit of the team is, has shifted. And where his talent could have fit in on a two years ago, Bruce Weber, it may not fit in this season. And he may have seen that during practice. Okay, we'll go down to Nick. Nick, Monty's gone. I think we're all now saying that uh, Izzy Masood is going to be the starter, starting, starter at four. Excuse me. Are you on board with Hayes thinking that, hey, this might be a shift in Bruce's uh, you know, playing style, what he wants, and trying to find a guy who's more of a post-up shoot three guy versus a guy like Monty who's more of a athletic dude, didn't quite have that outside touch? Or do you think it's just a circumstance of a – guys seeing writing on the wall and not really much of a change of what Bruce is trying to do. Um, I think it's, I think it's a little bit of both in a sense. Um, Hayes had a great take. Uh, Bruce is realizing that, you know, basketball is evolving and he needs to evolve as well with his play style and what he has. And he, I think, you know, um, decided that he wasn't, what he wanted as far as a four. So that's what happened when, you know, Murphy moved on. So um, I, I think, I think it's a shift in the play style more, more so than anything though. Connor is the timing of this transfer concerning to you at all, or do you really think, Hey, hey we, we've said that a couple times. He saw riding on the wall time to move on. Or is this something that you would have preferred to see happen this past March or even see, try to get into the season before uh, Monty cut bait. Um, I'm not too concerned about the, uh, the timing of this. I, I guess I'm surprised it didn't happen a little bit earlier just because, uh, I mean, I was really excited about uh, Montavious when he first got here, me and one of my roommates, like we thought he was like the future, like in the, in that part of the court, but he just couldn't stay healthy, unfortunately. And he just looked like a shell of his former self in the few minutes we were able to see this year. So the time doesn't worry me. And of all the transfers in the Bruce Weber era, this is one of the ones that worries me on the significantly lower end. Interesting. All right. Will, does this move register anything for you? Or are you similar to Connor where when you look at the history of the transfers, this is one of the least uh, consequential from your view? I think on a micro level, it's not too concerning. But on a macro level, when you look at the teams that Bruce has had success with, where it's been players that have been around for a long time and have really grown into their roles and developed those players, it makes me concerned that we're having multiple recruiting classes that can't stick around to really mold to Bruce's system. Okay, then we're going to get a take from Ace, and then I'm going to have to do some switching around for the first time ever. We have a full room. So I want to get one of my favorite people in the world, make it rain up on the stage. So I'm going to have to bench someone momentarily when I bring him on. So Ace, 
before I do that, um, what, what's your take on the overall transfer management of this offseason? We've seen quite a few dudes leave, quite a few dudes come in uh, from the basketball and football point of view. Do you think this is college sports to stay, or do you think this will eventually burn out? No, I, I think it's just kind of the nature of, of college sports nowadays. However, I, I do feel a lot of concern with the fact that there's a lot of ammunition to point and laugh at Bruce Weber now, given the, the status of the 2019 recruiting class being, um, let's just say, no longer a K-State recruiting class. And it's just – it's frustrating, but at the same time, I think it's here to stay, especially with the, the rules of the one-time free transfer. Okay, perfect. Now I'm going to get one of my favorite people on. Finally, it, it took it took the app changing ownership to Spotify to get Android and a change of date, but make it rain, Michael. Uh, this is now a recurring guest spot for you. How are you doing, my friend? And get any K-State takes you want out there, because I know you listen. You've been pulling your hair out metaphorically hearing some of us talk, so get it all out there. Uh, I am great. Uh, I may have to jump off soon uh, because we have tornadoes all around us uh, up here. Uh, but but I'm good, man. I uh, I still can't chat. Uh, can't chat in Android. So I appreciate the love in the chat room. I'm not ignoring you. I just can't respond. I can see it, but I can't say anything. I don't have any like. I, there's been a lot. Um, I'll just speak on the on the current subject uh, for now. I think on the on the micro. Um, the latest basketball transfer, uh, it's, it's not really bothersome. Um, on, on the mac, uh, on the macro, it certainly is. As was mentioned earlier before, this has to be a developmental program. And whenever these players transfer, it happens time after time after time after time. We say, oh, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. No big deal. No big deal. No big deal. These players have to grow into something or someone at some point. We don't, we're not, not recruiting these classes and recruiting these players in hopes that they're going to pop and instantly come in and, and be, uh, a 12 and nine player. They have to grow into that. And if we repeatedly have people running, leaving the program, uh, we're never going to have any development and that's just not going to work here. So, um, yeah, not going to like lose my mind about it because I mean, I did that back in the spring. Uh, but at some point we have to have a program where players develop. No, and I think that's a great point, especially when you have a guy like Monty who was a top 150 guy. Yes, you know, he was on the fringes of that. He's not going to come in and be a double-double machine right away. So I, I totally get what you're saying and agree with you. Um, I'll just ask you this one more because I respect your opinion. What would you grade the overall in and out of the transfer portal this offseason for Bruce? What sort of grade would you give him? You know, um... I'm, I'm not, I know you had an episode about this a while ago and everybody's going to be really high on, on, on Smith. I'm not, um, as high on him as others are. I think we lost that, uh, trade. Um, if it will, if you would be, um, I would say if I were to assign a grade, uh, I don't know. I'd go with probably a B minus. Um, or C with kind of wait and see attitude. Not that I'm down on the guys that, that are in. I'm just, it's a wait and see, you know, they, they're all transferring for a reason, uh, you know, um, and we just have to see how these pieces kind of work together. And I'm, I'm, I'm very curious how this whole experiment's going to work. For sure. And we always appreciate that. Um, hopefully we can get you on more in the future. We're now going to tr- jump into Big 12 Media Day. I'm just, I just made a list of things that came out today that I thought was interesting. Got a big group, got a lot of stuff. 
So not everyone will get to touch on every subject. If something you want to speak on comes up that you don't get to talk about, just feel free to tell me to fuck off and answer whatever you want. But I'm going to start with Connor, one of my guys over at Aggieville Alley Cats. Uh, the news came out, TJ Smith is going to be playing safety, not nickelback. Is that good or bad from your point of view? Did you have him in your head as a nickel, or are you happy to see him going full-time safety? Uh, I think it's good for him personally because that was where he was playing last year, so I just take that as an indication of they're comfortable enough to leave him at his natural position. At least I assume he was playing his natural position last year, and they feel comfortable enough with the nickels that they got that they can just move him back there because uh, uh, nickel was a huge question mark and uh, it's definitely reassuring if they, they feel good enough to move him back. Definitely. We'll go to ACE. You can either touch on TJ or you can touch on Julius Brent. He was getting loved up by J-Mac, by Skyler, by Coach Climbing. Lots of love for Julius Brent. Is he going to be able to live up to the hype or is this going to be something where we look back and say, all right, he had a decent season, but maybe the hype was a little much in the offseason. Well, I think between him and Echo Boido, I think passing is going to be very difficult, which is very good because our biggest competition is always passing offenses. And on the on the note of TJ, I kind of expected him to go back in safety, but it still leaves the, the question mark of nickel. And I know Kleiman said that they're rotating, wasn't it Stubblefield and Sincere Mason in that spot to kind of see what sticks, so... Eh, I feel I feel good about TJ at safety, and I feel amazing about the corner tandem we have. Yeah, I, I like the outside duo. Jimmy, you are one of the uh, historians I like to touch on. When's the last time you felt as excited as you are right now for two boundary corners, or we could even extend it out to the full two deep on each side of the field for the boundary corners as you are for this group being led by Echo, Julius Brents with Gardner, and T. Denson right behind him. Probably have to go back to maybe 2012, 13, 14, somewhere in there with those groups. Uh, I don't think we've had on paper what, I mean, if, if especially if, if Brents lives up to the hype that even Kleiman was giving him um, and, and we, what we saw from Echo Boyda last year, I mean, it looks like there's a possibility that we could be really strong in the secondary, which is which would be pretty big considering uh, the, the offenses we face. For sure. We'll move back out to the safety spot. We'll start with Cole. Cole, J-Mac talked about how he put on some muscle, dropped some body fat, was really trying to get his body right in the offseason because by the end of the season, he said he started to really wear down. If he can keep his body right and stay at that level we saw at the beginning of last year, do you think he's going to be able to put together a type of season where maybe he sneaks into a Big 12 honorable mention second team? Or do you think, hey, we just need to take good play from him when we can get it and not worry about, you know, any sort of accolades? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I kind of thought of him as someone who could even maybe sneak his way up some draft boards if he had a good season. Um and I thought he was he was pretty, like, built, I thought, last year. So if he's gotten bigger, that's definitely nothing but good. Um, and I think just being a senior veteran on the field, the mental side of it will help him a lot more than anything else. All right, Hayes, 
The talk is right now Amaris Brown and Reggie the Legend Stubblefield are going to be the guys taking reps uh, at Nickelback. Sincere Mason also is going to get some work in there. Is that enough to answer that spot, or is that going to be you know, a nervous spot for you to watch throughout the non-con and early on in Big 12 play? Well, I don't really know what to expect from Stubby, but I'm sure he's going to be great. Heisman. You need to expect oh. Heisman from him. <laughs> I'll put my futures bet in right now. Um, as far as the entire D-backs go, though, it, I mean, it's a great problem to have, but who are we going to start? Because in my mind, Justin Gardner is a Big 12 starter, caliber, but we got Brintz and Echo ahead of him. And Jerron McPherson is specifically saying that him and Russ Yeast are running the safeties, but then Chris Kleiman says that TJ is switching to safety. So I'm just kind of wondering who we're going to see on the field. And if Joe Klanerman is watching, listening to this on Friday – Please, God, run six defensive backs. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see the alignment. Luckily, in I think maybe for the defensive backfield, it's a, it's a good thing that they rotate as much. I usually get upset with how much they rotate, but they might have the depth to be there. We're going to go to MJ, Michael. In, are K-State fans getting ahead of their skis and doing this thing where they rally behind the depth chart before the season starts? Or do you think that there is – you know, some legit chance that they might be one of the upper-tier secondaries in the Big 12 this year. Uh, you kind of read my mind there with regards <laughs> to uh, the death chart. Um, look, I – I'm self-aware. I'm self-aware. The movement is, is interesting, uh, to say the least. Um, I'll definitely say that. But, man, so these guys are going to see so many snaps. Um, and I do think uh, that we're going to be running six DBs. Uh, more than we're used to. Uh, but there's just going to be so many snaps. I'm just like, who's starting and all that? I'm, I'm just not concerned with it at all. Um, I, I don't think it's a big deal. Um, I'd be, well, I, I'd say this right now. I bet whatever, uh, whatever starting depth chart that we see, uh, especially on the defensive side for Stanford, those 11 players, I would say I'd be willing to bet by the end of the year, a minimum of four of them. Uh, will not be quote unquote starters uh, by the last game of the season. Doesn't matter. Like that's not to say who's getting snaps and all that, but I, I just don't think it's that big of a deal at all. No, I think you're probably right there. We'll go to Steve. Steve, if you're looking at this defensive backfield, you are going to make a bet on one guy having a sustained amount of success throughout this upcoming season. What guy are you making your bet on? Uh, I'd go Brents. Um, just I know that we haven't seen him, but if that much talk is coming out of the uh, locker room about him, then I trust those guys plenty. But I really love Ekoboda a ton, so hopefully him. Okay, we'll go down to Nick. Nick, are you more in line with Michael where you're saying, hey, maybe K-State fans are getting out ahead of their skis? Are you more in the line of, oh, this could be an upper-tier secondary? Or are you somewhere in the middle, hey, we're going to be fine. Uh, it's, it's nothing to get too excited about, nothing to be too down about, just fine. I think uh, we're, we're just fine. I think we need to pull the brakes a little bit. Um, kind of just. Like no, I'm a runaway train. What, well, I mean, once the season develops and, you know, they're getting their snaps and they're getting comfortable where they're at, then 
then we can evaluate, okay, yeah, they're getting ready to play Big 12 or right after, and then you can label them as a top tier. Okay, Chef, Skylar Thompson, his breakout session, said that the secondary is going to be one of the best spots on the field for K-State. Chris Kleiman, when he was up on the podium, said offensive line is going to be the best unit for K-State at the end of the year. Which unit are we going to look back on and say that was the best unit on the team? Um, I, I think we would say offensive line solely because I think our offense is going to be a lot better. They might, they're going to contribute to that, but we're going to say our offense has improved so much from last year. Deuce is going to get his touches. Uh, Skyler's going to go hard in the number seven jersey. So, and we're going to see all the touchdowns getting scored on us. I mean, we're not going to shut every team out. So we're going to say the DBs got lit up this game, got did this. So I think we're, they can, the DBs can only go down and the offensive line can only go up. So I think they're in a better position to, at the end of the year to say the offensive line is in a better Okay, we'll go to Evan. Evan, this is a much uh, – it's a hierarchy of a staff that is – very cemented in defense. Chris Kleiman was a safeties coach, then a defensive coordinator. Joe Klanderman, D.C., he's been on the rise. Van Malone, associate head coach, cornerbacks coach. Do you think that it is time to do self-evaluation if we don't see a secondary in a defense take a step up from how they especially ended last season? Yeah, I, I definitely would like to see them take a step up, at least to get back to where Scotty Hazelton had them at, um, especially now that they have a little bit more depth. Um, so, yeah, if they continue on a downward trend like they were last season, then uh, we probably need some changes there. Yep, and then we'll end the talk about the defensive backfield with Bennett. Bennett, gun to your head. Which guy is going to lead the team in interceptions? Oh, geez. I'm riding with J-Mac. That's probably a crazy answer, but I, I'm, I think J-Mac's going to have a, a pretty solid super scene. He's the swaggiest dude who was I, I've ever seen showing up to Big 12 Media Days. Loved his fit today, so I hope he gets a bunch of interceptions. I think he actually got called for a celebration penalty at KU his freshman year when he got an interception. So I'll take some more of those. I'm going to come back uh, the other way. I'm going to start with Bennett on this one. Chris Kleiman said that there is no ceiling or limit to how many touches they're going to try to get Deuce Vaughn. Said it could be anywhere from 25 to 30 a game. Do you think he's being hyperbolic? Do you think it really will be that many? And if it is, do you think that's too many? I believe them and that they'll try to get them that many touches. I think it's too many personally. Um, I, I'm really high on the other, on Joe and Jarcadia, and I would like to get them involved to, um, you know, provide a little more depth and options um, on the running game. So I think it's a little too much if it is the case, but um, do Hey, you know, I, I think that's quite a few. I think it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, his total yardage, if he is getting that much. We'll go to Evan. Uh, Sebastian Taylor will not be 100% until the beginning of August. How much, if any, pause does that give you when you're evaluating the preseason, uh, you know, thoughts about the wide receiver core? 
or you know were they so low that you, it doesn't really can't get any lower? Give me your give me your heat check on the wide receivers. Um, yeah, that doesn't uh, like make me feel any worse about the wide receiver room. It actually makes me feel better about giving some of the younger guys a chance earlier on, like Keenan Garber. Yeah, and Keenan Garber got some love from uh, Coach Klein in one of his breakout sessions, said that he can really take the lid off of defenses. We're going to get to Chef, Chef, Keenan Garber taking the lid off of defenses in spring ball. Is that just Coach Klein giving some love to a guy who's uh, been a little bit down on his luck at his time at K-State? Are you a Keenan Garber believer for this upcoming season? I want to believe in Keenan Garber bad, but, I mean, spring practice, he's been torching the defense in seven-on-sevens. I mean, once fall camp rolls around and we're still hearing huge things out of Keenan, then I'll start – I'll get on that bandwagon hardcore, but as of right now, I'm just going to stick with the the believers and, like, Malik. But I would like to see him in, like, the jet sweeps and all that. I thought he was – I think he would do pretty good at that instead of giving Malik the four carries a game that he was getting and getting banged up on him every time. All right, Nick, uh, Jaron McPherson, one of his breakout sessions said that the two wide receivers causing him the most issue are Malik Knowles when he lines up in the slot and Phillip Brooks as well. Do you think this is a year where Philly Brooks steps up as a wide receiver or do you see him more of, just, you know, a, a role guy on offense and really a special teams returner? Uh, I think both. I think he's going to blossom into the special teams. You obviously, you know, his preseason uh, accolades, but I think he's going to blossom into that receiver right behind Malik Knowles and uh, take the load off of Malik and just, you know. All right, Michael, Coach Kleiman, in one of his breakout sessions, I think it was Derek Young who asked him the question about backup running backs behind Deuce. The first name he uh, said was uh, Jarkadia Wright, said that he really got himself back in shape and got his head in the playbook this offseason. But he also had some good words for Joe Irvin, said that when he rejoined the team in January, he hit the ground running. In your perfect world, which one of those two guys is the guy behind Deuce? And will they both combine to be serviceable, you know, backups while Deuce gets a rest if he's getting 30 touches a game. Oh, man, you know, I we just haven't seen any of the players, right? So I'm just going to go by. I'll, I'll jump on the uh, Jacardia Wright hype train uh, for sure uh, just because we've seen, like, those physical skills there. Um, and apparently he's even, like, bigger now, which is a little crazy to me, or heavier, I should say. Um, so, yeah, but I am of the belief um, that I do think Deuce are gonna, is going to get a lot of carries. Um, I don't think that this is going to be by committee. People like to point to how he's used his running backs in the past, but I don't know if he's had a running back that has the talent that Deuce has. Uh, so I do think Deuce is going to get a lot of carries. And I'm going to jump around, too. Uh, I'm really up on the wide receivers. I think that will help Deuce out a little bit. I think those two will help each other out. The wide receiver unit uh, will relieve some of the carries that he'll need to get as well. So. All right. Give me a wide receiver not named Malik Knowles who's going to make an impact on this season. Uh, oh, man. Uh, you know, um, mm, that's a good question. Um, I, I think Keenan uh, is going to be improved, uh, and I, I don't know that he'll be even a, a top three um, in numbers, but I think he'll be have enough of an impact uh, where we'll be able to look at the end of the year and be really excited about his future. 
I hope that's true because, uh, you know, I, I've been known in my younger ages, uh, a.k.a. 18 months ago, to be far too reactionary when it comes to some guys. And I wrote Keenan Garber off like six months into his career. So I'd love to be made look like a clown from him all season long. So I, I hope that that's the guy who I hope it is. I'm going to go over to Hayes. Jalen Travis got some love uh, from Coach Kleiman talking about young wide receivers who might make a step up. Do you think between him and Keenan Garber, do you think between the two of those guys, they're going to show enough where we might be feeling uh, okay if Sebastian Taylor and Malik Knowles moved on after this season? Um, I don't think we'll be feeling good um, because, just, I, I mean, it, it all depends. If Jalen Travis turns into what uh, they're talking about, then perhaps, but it sort of seems like a whole lot of Philip Brooks. I mean, I mean that in the case of a whole lot of receivers in the same mold as Philip Brooks, and that gets a little busy and small. Um, I'm really, really excited that Deuce Vaughn is going to get that many touches. I know he's really short, but the man is dense, and until he gets injured, I'm not going to believe that he's so injury-prone like everyone talks about. How is he supposed to win the Heisman? He's not getting 25 touches a game. But, uh, you know, and, and I'll say this. The, the guy didn't t- – he took maybe one big hit all last season. The guy is so smart that he knows how to get himself in position and make sure that he is not taking those big hits. So I'm right there with you, Hayes. Um, I'm going to – oh, no, go ahead. What were you going to say? I was just going to add one thing. I rewatched all the games last year, and um, – one thing that was extremely interesting to me is with Skyler, we ran motion pre-play all the time, and it was confusing defenses left and right and set wide-out guys in the slot up all the time. As soon as Skyler was out, I didn't see it one more time in an entire game for the rest of the season. And so with Skyler back, I think that this whole Malik Knowles in the slot thing is going to be amazing. Uh, I mean, he has perfect mix of wide-out and then come in in the slot and wreck havoc. Um, I saw everyone talking about jet sweeps. I think those are going to become a huge part of this offense. And that's sort of something that we just forgot existed because I don't think Will Howard was at the capacity to handle that. Yeah. I, and uh, let, let's shift into Will Howard uh, for, for Cole real quick. Coach Kleiman made a point to throw a lot of love to Will Howard uh, in his main press conference said that they truly do have two starting quarterbacks he did not commit to saying that he's going to see any sort of scheduled playing time as long as Skyler's healthy in his breakout sessions. So my question to you is, do you think Coach Kleiman is just loving up Will Howard in public to t- try to take some of that pressure off of him when he eventually does get his shot again? Or do you buy into the hype of him having a great spring ball and taking all these steps forward now that he's finally getting some offseason work? Yeah, honestly, I don't really know. Um, I hope he's having a great offseason and doing well and turning heads in practice. At the same time, I hope we're not trying to do, like, throw him in the game in certain situations type thing. Um, so, I don't know, maybe he really is just improving and just trying to throw throw his guys some love to the media. Um, ideally, I hope he sees tons of playing time in the fourth quarter when we're up by 30 points every game. I would love it. Jimmy, 
something that I know you tracked quite a bit and you, you've done film breakdown is the love of this staff with the tight end. Daniel Matter Bebe was called maybe the biggest difference maker by Skylar Thompson. And then Sammy Wheeler got a lot of love also at 100%. He was doing all of spring ball and he's doing seven on seven, all that stuff this off season between those two. Uh, if they can stay healthy and productive, how much of a game changer would that be for the offense that Courtney Messingham wants to run? It's it's pretty big in the way, you know, what they between what looking back at what they did at North Dakota State and they were pretty limited, I think, the first year in what they could do thrown to the tight end, but then looking last year, uh, Riley was second on the team with twenty two catches and then uh, Sammy Wheeler in limited play had seven, so you had 29 catches by your tight end, tight ends, um, which is a pretty big, big way you can use those guys. And you can use two tight ends together, which they did quite a bit last year as well when Wheeler was healthy. And even after Wheeler was, Wheeler was out, they uh, threw Fox out there a little bit, some other guys. So, um, and Leonard's. So they can, they can do some, some, a lot more things. And, and then if you have two guys that can really catch it, um, that helps a lot. The biggest thing was climbing mentioned today that uh, he really likes modern baby's uh, blocking ability in the running game, which I think will be the big key is if they can use him all the time and have him pass run block and be a good route runner and be a, a playmaker, then that opens things up a ton for this offense. Yeah. And, and it will take some of that pressure off of Malik Knowles, Sebastian Taylor and open that stuff up for do. So I hope that is the case. We'll get to Ace and then his co-host, Connor. Ace, when you start daydreaming up what you want to see um, from the offense and you're hearing the names that Coach Kleiman is bringing up, is there a name that you wish you would have heard where in the back of your head you're like, man, I think this is my sleeper, and you're disappointed not to hear any love during the uh, press conferences and breakout sessions today? No, actually, because he pointed out the the one name that was my my breakout candidate for this year, and that was Jacardier Wright. I feel like Jacardier will have a lot more of a role than people would expect him to, especially this season. But obviously it doesn't matter because all of our offenses, we're going to score 100 points a game, and Skyler's going to win the Heisman because it's Skyler's season, obviously. I love it. And I'm going to end kind of talking about the offense and skill players with Connor Connor, I think a lot of angst is around the wide receivers. Uh, and it has been, honestly, what, since Byron Pringle left. Even he got a lot of, uh, you know, disdain for his hands. Do you think this is going to finally be the year where K-State fans look at the wide receivers as a plus or maybe even just not a negative with this team? Or do you think that it's going to ultimately be another year where we're looking around for anyone and it just doesn't come through? Um, I don't think this is quite going to be the breakout year for the room as a whole, but I think they're going to take a step up from last year, which granted it's hard not to. And I think that uh, um, I think that in a couple years we're, we're going to see them doing really well. Guys like Jalen Travis and Brendan Hawkins and RJ Garcia are guys I'm looking forward to down the line. But this year, uh, I hope Garber can be like a 250-yard guy with maybe 100-ish yards rushing. Like that, That's kind of my hope for him this year until he gets a bigger role. And similar production from uh, 
from some of the other guys who haven't seen as much of before. But I don't think they'll be so much a negative as they will just kind of not have much of an impact. Okay, I, I like it. I like it. All right, we're going to do a quick uh, quick run-through uh, because I, I saw some stuff in the chat which I liked. We're going to do a big deal or not a big deal. Courtney Messingham now with the wide receivers. Uh, Jason Ray now with the tight ends. We're going to go Connor first. Is that going to – or let, let's not say big deal or not a big deal. Will that make a – measurable impact on the room or not at all? Um, I think it, at least they won't get any worse. I, I think Messingham's a decent positional coach. So uh, no comment, I guess, is kind of my answer there. All right. Ace, is it going to make a positive impact, no impact, or negative impact? I honestly I, – I don't really have an opinion either way. And – like Connor said, it it really we can only go up from where we were last year. Okay, Jimmy, mess being with the wide receivers, positive, negative, or neutral? I I think at the end of the day, it's it will. I don't think it's a big deal. I think the offense will be better, so people will say it was a big deal after the fact. But I think that's mainly because we'll have more experience and better players, not because we move coach. Okay, I think. All right, uh, anyone put in the chat if, if you think that's going to make a difference. I will go to Michael because you're saying that you think the wide receivers are going to make a big step. Do you think it's just another year of some of these young guys, or do you put any value into the switch and positional coach? Yeah, it's a weird deal. I'll say that. But, no, I don't put any value on it. I, I think, first of all, if you look at the season, they did start to get better uh, towards the end of the year, that, that receive, the receiver unit in general. Uh, so, no, I think they will be better, and I think Mess will be credited for it, but um, I think it'll be just because they've gotten better. And they and a big issue are, are the drops, and at some point that's going to have to revert to the media. No, I, I agree with you, and, and I, I think, you know, once Malik got back, it, it took a lot of pressure off of everyone. Okay, so we are coming – close to the end of the hour again this was one of our best attended rooms and i appreciate everyone coming on so we're going to do a uh the, the wrap-up question and we are going to send it center it around deuce vaughn we're going to have an official predictions podcast right before the season starts so everyone can feel free to change their mind on this but i'm going to ask how many yards from scrimmage do you think Deuce Vaughn ends up with? And let's work under the assumption he's healthy and he's getting all those touches. So we're going to start with Bennett. Bennett, how many yards from scrimmage, so that's rushing and receiving combined, are you putting Deuce down for this year? Oh, um, I'll say 1,000. Is that reasonable? Right out of 1,000. Hey, I, I, I think anything is possible. And I'll tell you this, I – I shouldn't be asking questions I don't have an answer for, uh, but I have no idea what this guy could get. If you put a gun to my head, I'm saying 1,200, 100 a game is, is what I would go with. But, you know, we're, this is just a fun one to end the show. Evan, what would you say? Um, let's go big, 1,500, 750 each. Whew, uh, if he's 1,500 and a handful of touchdowns, maybe, maybe you're going to see some of those Heisman votes this year. Chef, this is – technically going to be a freshman season for deuce uh thanks to those weird covid rules how many yards is he getting 
I got him at thirteen fifty. I think I think about a hundred and what is that? One hundred twenty-five per game. I think that's somewhere he'll he could be. Nick, what are you going with, my man? Uh, I'm thinking I'm going to go about fourteen hundred. Fourteen hundred. Are your price is right? Yeah, me. I like probably <laughs> with about um, eighty, about probably about eight hundred rushing, six hundred receiving. I like the breakout. Mitch had it in the chat. It was right around a thousand last year in the shortened year. Steve, what are you going with? The tiny little man named Deuce Vaughn. How many is he getting? I'm going to say not as much as those because hopefully our receivers can pick up some of the slack. Um, but I'd still put like, put it like close to last year's uh, average per game, um, even though he's like a way better runner and receiver that uh, we just have other guys stepping up, hopefully. I love it. Michael, you're all on board with him getting all those touches. I love it. Let's play ball. How many yards is he getting? Uh, I'm thinking, yeah, probably around. Man, I wanted, I was going to go with the 1,500, uh, but I don't know if that would match with what I said with the receiver stepping up more, but I do think he's going to get a lot of receiving yards. I'm going to go with uh, – I'll go with 1,300. 1,300. All right. If, if it's a 1,500 with a handful of touchdowns, I – I'm, he's going to at least be popping up on a Heisman list, so I, I'm hoping no, we see that. No, I, I actually don't think that 1,500 – here's a, here's a bold one for you. 1,500 with double-digit touchdowns, I don't know if that will get him even first or second team all-conference. So you're a big, Holy. So your big – Brees Hall is going to have a big one, Letty Brown, and then the kid from Oklahoma as well. So no, on, Brees and Dijon. I'm, 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 I'm really oh, yeah, and Dijon down Texas, yeah. Honestly, you might be right. And man, it's it's wild. The Big Twelve has a lot of great running backs. When, when you when you really sit down and look at it, you're probably not wrong. Uh, man, that is wild. I I think because in the postseason, I think they have an all-purpose player and they drop fullback. So maybe he gets on one of those lists. But honestly, now that you're saying that, you might be right. Uh, Hayes, how many how many uh, all-purpose yards is, or not all-purpose yards from scrimmage is he going to get? I'm going to go full price is right, 1501. <laughs> I really think that's possible, though. Well, Mr. Bryce Hill over there totaled Bryce. for um, 1750 <laughs> last year, and he only had 180 receiving. Uh, so I'm pretty big on that. That is true. He, he did get, uh, you know, Br- Bryce Hill or whatever his name is up in Ames, Iowa. No, he, 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 he did get quite a few. Man, that's wild. That's wild. I really, really wish we would have gotten him. Jimmy, how many yards from scrimmage is he going to get? I'm, I'm going with 1,600. 1,600. I think that's. I think it's going to. That's pushing it. But if if they're really giving that dude 25 touches a game, he's going to average more than five yards a touch because he's going to have a better receiving per play than rushing per play. So um, if if that's the plan and he stays healthy. Um, and he's as good as they want him to be. I mean, he had a thousand last year, so there's no, there's two more games going to be played, um, and he's going to be better, hopefully, and he's going to have better threats around him that they can isolate him more. So I'm going 1600 and pushing the sky to the limit here. I love it. We'll go Ace and then Connor. Uh, literally infinite, but in all <laughs> seriousness, I'd say probably around. Um, 
I'd say probably around 1600 because a back that never got love that I will continue to pound the table for why he should have made the NFL. Alex Barnes in his junior season, he had 1,549. And I think that Deuce, as much as I love Alex, he, I think Deuce is a better back and will put it together even faster, especially with, I see him motioning out to the slot a lot to get a lot of receiving yards. Yeah, I, I was a big Alex Barnes guy. The, the Man, what, what was it? His freshman year, he didn't get any touches. Made me want to pull my hair out. Uh, we'll end with Connor. Connor, how many uh, yards from scrimmage is Deuce going to get this year? Uh, I'm going to roll with 1550 because uh, that's, uh, I don't know, I, I suck at math. I'm a Bachelor of Arts, so it's like 125, 150 a game, something like that. I love it. Math pod. I love it. Math pod. Yes, we'll, we'll, do, we'll do a math pod another time. That's all we got tonight, but I'm handing out the MVP award of the night. It's one of my favorite pr- people in the world, and I hope we get him on more often. That is Mr. Michael Make It Rain Johnson. Uh, MJ, give us any final words. Give us any takes. Give us any public service announcements. Tell everyone listening anything you want. Uh, man, I'm really like, I'm, I, I think I was off on my, on my, uh, yardage prediction. That's okay. Um, I just won a game of NBA jams. So I'm really happy about that. Uh, anyhow, I, look, the only thing I'll say going away, one of the things that you guys talked about back, uh, was NIL, uh, back then. I'm going to say, um, I don't think this NIL is going to be a super duper big deal. I think a lot like the, uh, cost of living checks. Uh, that started about five or six years ago when it first happened. I was like, oh, wow, this is a game changer. Um, I think once, like, the games start, we're not in the off season. People, kids will still get their deals and everything, but I just don't think it, it's going to be like that thing in Miami, which hasn't happened yet, and I don't think it's going to happen. That's not going to be the standard. It's not going to be anything close to that. So that's my say. I love it. Thank you for hopping on. Thank you to everyone for joining us. We are going to be going live next Wednesday again, so we're going live next Wednesday as well because I'm adopting my puppy on that Thursday, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to talk on uh, on an app for an hour the first, you know, four hours I have him in my house. So we're going live next Wednesday, uh, and I'll put a poll out on Twitter. Do people like it on Wednesday more than Thursday? Will people be able to join on Wednesday more likely than they would on Thursday? If that's the case, We will be doing that during football season. We love you guys. If Grant, he claims the app wasn't working for him, I'm calling bullshit. I'm guessing he just didn't want to join. But if he was here, he would say, meet you at the cat head. I say, I love you guys. Be nice to each other. Unless they're Iowa State fans, then you can be dicks to them. We'll see you guys next Wednesday. And Grant will be coming to you guys on Monday with another Big 12 Media Pod with someone who was there. All right, Spencer, you ready? Uh, which one are we doing? We were driving north that night. We were trying to catch a fight. Not on a plane, but a kind of fight. You drink. A couple of sips. And now 
Network.